from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And that can be found on page 970 of the Church Bibles. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will re reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let me pray. Father, we do thank you that we can come before you that we can hear you speak to us through your word. And I pray, Lord, as we begin this journey of prayer, that you would grow us in our own prayer life, both individually, in our groups, and as a church, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, prayer is one of those universal constants in life. It doesn't matter what colour the skin you've got, uh, what location of country, uh, what tribe you come from, People just pray. It's one of the arguments against atheism that doesn't matter where you go, there's this sense of universal seeking after God that expresses itself in some way, shape or form in prayer. And my own personal experience of prayer is this, um, God became real for me, if I can say, for the first time when I, if I can say with honesty, prayed. Uh, I'd prayed formally in churches, but they would just, if I can say, words through my mouth, off my lips. But when there was a genuine seeking of God from the heart, and I prayed a very simple prayer, which just said, God, if you're out there, help me find you. I remember at that moment that there was a real sense of spiritual connection with God. And I knew deep down, though it scared me, my life would never be the same. And as my journey with God continued, it has grown in particular as I prayed. And there's no doubt in those early months of investigation and discovery, praying and learning and meeting God were all wrapped up together. As God revealed himself, as God answered. And there was this kind of moment I remember before my conversion where I prayed. And there was this very direct answer where I knew that I was tapping into something far more powerful and bigger than me that we called God as he heard me and acted, and it was actually quite amazing and scary at the same time. 
Prayer is a very powerful thing. And through my 30 years as a Christian, I've seen prayers answered every year in quite miraculous ways, sometimes small, sometimes incredibly. But to be a Christian is to pray. And we start a new series this term on prayer to help us grow in our prayer life. Now, I want us to understand, if I can say, theology about prayer and to think deeply about what the Word of God says here. But the end goal is not just more knowledge, it's actually to be better prayers and to have a confidence in prayer and to have a desire to pray and that we actually are praying more in our own individual lives, our family lives and as a church. And my simple message today is this, um, Christian prayer is based on relationship and confidence. Christian prayer is based on relationship and confidence. So firstly, Christian prayer, what is Christian prayer? And it's worth asking that because you see people from all different backgrounds pray and all sorts of religions pray. And the way they pray will typically be a reflection of their understanding of the God who they think is out there or whatever they want to conceive it. So if you look at Buddhists and the way they pray, um, it's really not so much prayer, it's really meditation. And after Easter, we're going to look at some of the major world religions and ask the question, why not? Why not Buddhism? Buddhism is actually, their prayer is more a meditation, focusing perhaps on something like giving loving kindness to other people. And so Buddhists, when they pray, what they really will do is will chant certain mantras. And many Buddhists, such as uh, the Nikiran Buddhists, they'll offer prayers to awaken divinity inside themselves. You see, for them, there is no God out there. And one of the things you'll hear when we do this series is the new Dean of St. Andrew's Cathedral, Kanishka Raphael. He is a Sri Lankan man, brought up in a Sri Lankan family as a Buddhist, used to go to temple, converted as he hit university as he realised that this worldview really was so depressing. I'll let that story be told. After Easter, he read the Gospels and came to faith immediately. But if you look at, say, Muslims, they're called to pray five times a day by bowing down to Allah. Uh, prayer is not about a personal relationship of love and trust where you express awe and wonder, but rather it's a ritual of obedience that articulates that you submit to the will of Allah. Now, I could go on because, you see, all religions pray. What does it mean to pray as a Christian? Well, it's founded and rooted in our deep-seated belief that there is only one God. There's not a whole host of gods that all the religions kind of have some claim to um, being part of this one great cosmic reality we call God. No, we believe there is one God revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ and He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Spirit of God helps us no, through the Son. And when you reflect on that reality, prayer is essential. And you see, the way into understanding Christian prayer is through the Lord Jesus. He is the Son of God. And the revelation of God through the Son reveals to us that what you see in God is there's the Father and the Son. And when you see the Son on earth ministering, one of the deep-seated characteristics of Jesus' earthly life was that he prayed to the Father. And when we looked at prayer last year in the Walking with God series, one of the things I went through was just how much Jesus prayed. 
because you see it was part and parcel of how he related as the son to the father he would talk he would relate to the father and there in his earthly ministry there might be short periods of prayer there were long periods of prayer but deeply in his life he prayed and as the disciples started to gather with him he taught them on prayer and in the sermon on the mount we have this beautiful description about prayer and we want to learn from that over this term now if you've got your bibles there open up page 970 chapter 6 verse 5 and it's interesting the way it begins because he critiques if i can say the way other religions of the day were praying including the judaistic religion before he teaches them how they should pray and so it's firstly in the negative then the positive and in verse 5 he says what you should firstly do is be not like the hypocrites don't be like the hypocrites now what's the problem with the hypocrites they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly i tell you they've received their reward in full but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who's unseen then your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you and there's no doubt that when some people pray they really are more concerned by what others think about their praying than what God thinks. Now, I don't know if you've fallen into this trap yourself. It's very easy to fall into and you think, uh, am I sounding okay? <laughs> um, what will such and such think of my prayers? And I don't think many people will do it to show off, but there is a definite level of self-consciousness when we're praying out loud in the presence of other people. And there's no doubt some people will try and impress other people with their praying and jesus says just do not do it uh, they will get a reward the reward is that they will be able to show off their eloquence and supposed spirituality in the group of those gathered and jesus says well that's their reward they will have some sense of esteem but that's as far as it goes it does not cut any mustard with god himself he says no go into your room close the door in other words pray quietly in a way that reflects that you have a genuine relationship with the father and then he says when you pray don't show off by just babbling on like pagans for they think they'll be heard because of their many words now i don't know if you've ever been in the prayer meeting where someone just will not be quiet you ever been in one of those look i don't know if i meant to say this to senior minister but i've been there where i think we just shut up now, I said that at eight o'clock this morning. I said, am I allowed to say it? And they all went, yes. Because <laughs> I think they've been in the same prayer meetings that I've been in sometimes. It was almost like, thank you, Bruce, for saying that. So if you're in a prayer meeting, just be conscious there are other people. It's great to be caught up to the seventh heaven, okay? Wonderful. But that's not really the time when everyone else is just sitting, waiting to get a word in. Don't just babble on. Now, why do they babble on those days? And what's he referring to? I think what he's referring to here is pagan prayer practices where literally they thought God was deaf. And they kind of had to use lots of words in the hope that he might hear some of them. And you know that kind of awkward situation that you sometimes find yourself in or you find others in when you're talking to someone who is hard of hearing and you start raising your voice? Can you hear me? Now, it's not like that with God. Can you hear me, God? He's not deaf. Okay? We don't need to babble on. And then he says, this then is how you should pray. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. I want to read it to us again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I know if you've learnt the Lord's Prayer, there is another line that was added in later in church history. It's a great line. It's just not part of what Jesus taught and that's okay. But just some general observations to start with about Christian prayer because, you see, this is a model prayer. It's worth saying, I think it's better called the Disciples' Prayer than the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We can mirror the Lord Jesus in lots of things. One thing we won't ever pray the same is he taught us a prayer including forgiveness of sins, which he didn't need to pray. And so he's giving us a prayer which is for us. And I want you to note it's brief. There's only 53 words there in the English language, in the original English or Aramaic that Jesus might have spoken. Um, Similarly, brief. In other words, Christian prayer doesn't have to ramble on for it to be real and heard by God. It's simple. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is simple enough for every Christian to pray, including children. Great prayer to teach to your kids. You see, prayer is not just something for the professionals or super-Christians. There's a simplicity to that, that we can all engage with. I think it's very encouraging. Anyone who's a Christian can pray. Martin Luther said, uh, the great reformer, few words and much meaning is Christian prayer. Many words and little meaning is pagan prayer. Think about that. Few words, much meaning is Christian prayer. Many words, little meaning, actually that's pagan prayer. Thirdly, it's profound. There's a profound nature to this simple prayer. There's nothing shallow about it. It actually, in such brief language, encompasses all of the Christian life. In fact, we're going to spend all term just looking at these 53 words. If you're in your groups, we're going to be looking at this. And week by week, we're just going to look at one line and reflect on what that means for us in our prayer life. It's comprehensive. You can actually base your whole prayer life out of this one prayer. Now, I often will pray this for myself uh, in the morning, but I'll often use it in an extended fashion because, you see, the themes that are picked up in this set of seven major themes we're going to look at really give you the full gamut of stuff that you can pray for in your life and for ministry and for other people and in fact in the small group material we're going to teach people and help people to see how you can have seven days with Jesus through this prayer as a pattern for our praying together next it's flexible you can pray it as it is it's actually a good prayer to memorize and pray because sometimes you can be in a situation where for whatever reason you just feel you can't pray And you can actually pray this prayer just as a memorized prayer and it will help you start talking to God. But it's flexible. You don't have to use it like that. You can use it as a sounding board, a springboard. And it's principled. You see, the way Jesus teaches us to pray, he's really saying this is a prayer, but it's also the principles of prayer. Uh, He doesn't say when you pray, you pray five times a day at this time and you say these words. But rather, these are the things to pray for. And why is Christian prayer like this? Brief, simple, profound, comprehensive, flexible, principle. It's because it is rooted in relationship. Which is my second point. Relationship. At the heart of our understanding of prayer and experience of prayer will be our conception of God. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, but the way you view God will profoundly affect the way you pray to him. Profoundly. And it's worth reflecting, and we're just going to reflect on just a couple of words here. 
He says, when you pray, our Father in heaven. And I want us to stop and just think about those four words. Firstly, the first one is our Father. Now, the word for Father there, uh, that's in the original language, was in Greek. And it's actually a translation of what was most likely the Aramaic word that Jesus used. Now, um, we don't have that word here, but you can see it later on in the New Testament when Paul writes, he'll actually use the original Aramaic word, which is Abba. Abba Father. And you'll see that in some of the letters that Paul writes, Abba Father. And he's actually using an Aramaic word, a Greek word, kind of to emphasize the fatherly nature of the relationship we have. Now, the word Abba is an interesting word. Uh, it was used of a Jewish father. And it's worth saying, the word was more respectful, um, but had great intimacy. If I can say, more intimate than just calling your father, father. Now, I'm not English, and I know we had an Englishman here this morning. Um, it sounds very English to, for an Aussie to address their dad as father. Now, for those who are English, and that's how you've grown up, that's okay. Uh, but within our cultural setting here in Australia, I, I don't know many kids who have been grown up and taught by their dad to address themselves as father. That's not how I taught my kids to address myself. I am their father, but that's not how they address me. Because you see, there's more intimacy in the relationship. They know me in a warmth of ways. But it's not like, if I can say, uh, there's a respect to this word that has intimacy. It's not like they call me daddy now that they're, you know, 19, 21 and 24. Uh, daddy is a very kind of childish nature uh, to the word. Uh, they call me dad. Now, they also call me some other names these days, but I will leave that. <laughs> but you see, dad communicates warmth and intimacy with respect. Some in the family would like to call me Bruce, but I'm your dad. And I'm sure those who have parents uh, who have grown up with older kids, you know that kind of struggle. And they're trying to work out how do you relate now as your parents, as you're older. But you think with me of kids who've not had good fathers. They struggle to call their father dad. And what Jesus does with this prayer is he invites us into this relationship where he is known, the Father, Abba Father, as his dad. You see, what does it mean for us as we pray? Well, let me give you illustration. Um, my kids can call me any time they want. And I've now got uh, one travelling in Europe, I've got one who lives in London and one here at home. And they'll just call you. I remember Rebecca, my eldest daughter... Uh, as she was winding up at work here in Sydney, experienced some significant workplace bullying. And she just rang me in the middle of the day, which was not normal because she'd be hard at work. Um, and she just said, oh, Dad, I just need to talk. And she's just crying on the phone. And you see, that's the nature of the relationship. She can just call up because she needs a dad. And she just cried and, you know, I just prayed for her. And it was terrible what had happened to her. Uh, her boss revealed himself as a bully and effectively didn't want her to leave because she'd been actually a terrific worker. And when she announced she was going, uh, the bullying began. Dad, I need you. 
You see, that's the reality of prayer. We can just call on our dad. My daughter Sophie, she uh, is travelling from Germany to the Czech Republic and they had a bomb scare on the train and so she'd been waiting and waiting so she thinks, well, I do. let's call mum and dad. Doesn't matter what time it is, <laughs> but I'm in Germany and they're in Sydney. <laughs> she thought she's fine, but you know what, she wanted to, that's okay, it's not the point. <laughs> you see, prayer is not to an unknown God. Prayer is not a chanting, hoping God will hear us. And while prayer can have formal language, it's not a ritual that makes you closer to God. No, prayer is actually the way we express the reality of our relationship with God and that we know God as Abba Father. He is our heavenly dad. And how is this possible? Well, it's through the gospel. And you see, you won't get prayer until you understand the gospel and the wonder of what Jesus has done for us. And the gospel proclaims his life, death and resurrection. And if I can put it in the context of prayer, what Jesus does is, having died for us and risen again, he invites us to come and join his family. And you see, Jesus is our elder brother. Now, it's not the only way you'd want to describe him. But he is that. He's also our Lord and our Saviour and our Master. And he's our Redeemer and King, but he is our elder brother. And he invites us into his family on the basis of what he's done for us in dying on the cross and rising again. And you see, to these disciples, one of the distinctive marks of the Sermon on the Mount is this. I don't know if you've reflected on this, but 17 times... He describes the relationship they have with God as one of him being their father. Your father will reward you. Your father will hear you. Your father this. And so he says, when you pray, reflect this reality. He is your father. And you see, when you understand what Christ has done for you and that he has actually invited you into his family as adopted children... Prayer becomes this natural way of relating to what is now our Heavenly Father that we have been adopted as, His children. And it shouldn't be disrespectful when we pray. And I've sat in prayer meetings, and I don't want to have a go at young people, um, but it's often been young people, but it's just, uh, it's worth reflecting on. And I remember one prayer meeting, and the leader was leading and just, Hey God! And there was a sense of real, I'm part of the family, great, (laughs) But there wasn't any sense of awe and wonder. And we want to hold those two things together with this one word, Father. Intimacy and respect and awe. And I think that's what every father wants of their children. They want intimacy and closeness along with respect. Friends, prayer is not a ritual, it's this incredible doorway to relationship. Because God is our Father. Jim Packer said these words about the fatherhood of God. You can sum up the whole New Testament if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Holy Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands the Christian faith, find out how much they make of being God's child and having God as their Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls their worship and prayers, then their whole outlook on life 
it means they really don't understand the Christian faith very well at all. You see, the key to a better prayer life is not better technique. Though learning how to pray can be helpful, actually, no, what is far better to help you learn how to pray is a better understanding and a better theology of God that He is your Heavenly Father. And when you understand the gospel and the implications of that, that's where prayer starts. You see, no one had to teach me to pray. It just kind of came naturally as I realized God's my Father. I can talk to Him. And so the better you understand the gospel, the better you are grounded in understanding as a result that God is your Father, the easier and the better your prayers will become. And you see, the implication for our lives, including our praying, is this. Our praying is not to be a display of competitive religious performance motivated by fear or failure or pride or superiority, but rather prayer now is a response of a child to a parent with love and trust and obedience. Secondly, Christian prayer is based on a relationship of confidence. I'm going to skip that. Christian prayer is based on a relationship of confidence. Those last two words, our Father who is in heaven. And you see, think with me, what difference does it make in our praying that God is in heaven? That in simple words, it means he's in control. You see, we don't pray to someone who just happens to be over in New Zealand or America. We're praying to the one who is actually seated on the throne in heaven. And he's our father. And he's God. And he's the sovereign Lord of all. And when it comes to prayer, it means that we know God wants us to come to him in prayer because he's our father. And he wants to hear us. But importantly... He can respond to our prayers. You see, our prayers will change us, but God calls us to pray because He wants to hear them and respond to them. And they're all part of the way He works in this world. And He listens and responds. It's quite incredible. The psalmist says this, Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And friends, God is not within us and we pray in the hope of some divine energy being imparted to us. Uh, God is not far away and unable to hear us when we call him such that we've got to raise our voice and shout, though if you want to shout, it's quite okay because you're filled with joy. And God is not weak and deaf and unable to hear us or do anything about what we say to him. No, he is our Father who is in heaven. And he rules. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's ever-present, he is invisible yet immortal. He is the unchanging, sovereign Lord of heaven. And this is our Father. And we can pray to him. And I want to finish with a story to illustrate this. I remember meeting a young man who was an Indian evangelist. He'd formerly been the head of a youth terrorist organization in India, the kind of equivalent to an uh, Irish... IRA terrorist group and he used to go out and their group terrorists would go and persecute and burn missionary stations down and they would kill people and he was struck down if I can say by the Lord Jesus and converted through the witness of his sister who became a Christian and he gave his life to Christ and his 
fellow colleagues now turned on him and they came to kill him. And they had a ceremonial knife that they would get out when they had someone that they had someone special to kill. And the ritual was if they ever got the knife out, they had to use it. And they came for him. He'd only been a Christian six weeks. And like a, a pack of dogs, they pounced on him. And he's on the ground. They've got the knife in his forehead, pierced the skin. Blood has started to, to, to pour. And he prays this very simple prayer. God, I've only known you six weeks, but I'm yours. Whatever happens. But if you want to save me, you'll need to be quick. <laughs> it was something like that. And at that moment, an angel of the Lord came. It's the only way I can describe what he described to me. And they ran for their lives. They were confronted with the living God as he called upon his Father in heaven. He came out to Australia and he preached. He did some Bible college training and he went back to India. I suspect he's now dead. But you see, this is our God. He is our Father in heaven. And he rules. And Jesus says, when you pray, begin like this. Our Father, who is in heaven. And that is Christian prayer. Deeply rooted in a relationship of intimacy and trust that we know in the gospel through the Lord Jesus. And profoundly confident because God is in heaven. I'm going to stop there. We're going to do two things. We've got uh, a time of prayer now. And then we're going to celebrate communion together before we finish off. And I just want to invite anyone. Now, we've got a big group here. If you'd like to just stand. I was going to get the bike, but you know what? It's just too big to run around. And if you'd like just to stand and say thank you to the Father for something or praise him for something. As we sit here quietly with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you'd like to just stand and thank the Father this morning, why don't you do that? And I'm going to start and I'm going to invite anyone who would like to just pray. As I said, don't have to go long. Good not to go long. So let's bow our heads and pray. And then Andrew Wilson's going to come up and finish off our prayer time by praying for some important things like Dave Indiwamana and other issues. Father, I just thank you that you love us and through what Jesus has done, we're part of your family and we can call you Abba Father. Thank you.